Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast, presented by the National Federation of the Blind, the transformative membership and advocacy organization of blind Americans. Live the life you want. Hello, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. I'm Melissa Riccobono, and I have plenty of people here today. This is going to be a <laughs> post-convention show. Uh, let's first introduce my co-host, my regular co-host. Well, it's good to be here. Anil Lewis as the regular co-host was, which unfortunately I wasn't able to be the regular co-host for the majority of the convention, but luckily we had some really good uh, support staff. And let's introduce our stand-in. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Uh, well, stand in, walk in, whatever you want to call it. All of that, uh, yes. Yeah, he, he was, I, I was, he was going around a lot. I, I was. I was moving a lot. I didn't necessarily plan it that way, but it just kind of worked out that way. And um, people seem to find it entertaining. I don't know if that was because they uh, thought I was stumbling around and making a fool of myself or because they actually found it valuable. But anyway, you gave them an authentic experience of what it feels like to be waiting on an elevator to going <laughs> through those lines. They felt they felt like they were there, man. And to hear your grits, you know, that you loved grits so much, it was great. Oh, my gosh, yes. But we also have a couple of other people with us. Uh, we have another person who stepped in as a, as a co-host, Danielle Hello. McCann. There Hello, she is. Hello, everybody. It's Danielle. Hello. And we have one more. <laughs> She very sounds like special. that European, like the Mary Poppins lady with the hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have a, yeah, we do have a VIP guest, though, you were about to say. Yeah, he, he's not a guest, but though. I, you know, he doesn't like no, to be called a guest. guest in the Federation. So, no, no. Um, but, but, a, but a special person for this podcast. We actually have President Marco Cabono here with us. Yeah, and I'm not a VIP. I'm a BP. I'm a blind person. Yeah, <laughs> a BP. That's right. So blind president, too. <laughs> <laughs> And a blind Thanks papa. Thanks for being here. I haven't, I haven't been on the papa. podcast. I mean, I got booted for many, many episodes. I'm, you I'm know, glad to true. finally have made it back. We used to do the presidential <laughs> privilege with you and Anil often. And, yeah. and I don't know. Yeah, maybe we'll have to yep, think about yep, getting that yep. back now. But, I, but I, thank I, you so much for being with us now and talking about convention. My yeah, pleasure. You had other, other more pressing pre-gen uh, responsibilities than to be talking with us for 30 minutes. So. <laughs> Right. But, you know, the podcast itself, uh, you know, we are talking for those. Go ahead. I didn't even know where you guys were, you know, in the in the uh, in the virtual conventions. I knew where to find you all. But, you know, this convention, <laughs> it was too big to get to you easily. Isn't that a great feeling, though? It's Definitely. awesome to be too big. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's actually start there because, you know, not all of us. For, for those of you that, of you that are that are tuning in and, and don't really know what we're talking about. So we, we did just have the convention of the National Federation of the Blind. It was in New Orleans. It was in person. It we was outstanding. Very, it was. We had a very respectable registration of a little over 2,400 in person. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Um, yeah. And then we had our virtual. Something. Yeah. Then we had our virtual component as well. And so um, that's what we're going to kind of talk about right now. You know, for me, I was virtual. But how was it for those of you that were there? I know we touched on this a little bit during our pre-show um uh, sessions, but not everybody tuned into those or was able to tune into those. So let's just talk first of all, how was it to be in person? What was that like after being, you know, not in person for the last couple of years? I think for me, it felt like coming home. Um, it felt like 
it was re-energizing to be around my Federation family and understanding, especially with some of the presentations and then just some of the conversations I was a part of just understanding, like, this is why we do what we do. This is why we're part of this movement. Um, so I, I would say coming home for sure. I agree with that. I, I, I may have even tweeted that I, that it felt like coming home. I can't remember, uh, but I had certainly thought that, um, that it was so good to be home with my Federation family. Um, and it was, it was definitely exciting. Uh, I mean, our, our virtual conventions were great, um, but this was really a great energy level and just, um, and just things like uh, running into people in the restaurants. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, at the first uh, morning that I had breakfast in the hotel restaurant, Ever Hairston was there and mm -hmm. Everly Hairston was there. And I just walked over and said hello to her. Um, and one day I wound up uh, sitting with, uh, you know, uh, some leaders of the Ohio affiliate. And it was just, uh, it was just nice to have those spontaneous encounters that you couldn't really have virtually. Yeah, I, I really like the fact that being in person, it, there's just no substitute for it. And I don't know if it's because we've had the TS with the virtual, but it was so so much fulfilling than it's ever been uh, for the time that I was there. And the really interesting part about it was, of course, as we spin up, right, and start dealing with these logistics that we haven't dealt with for two years plus, you know, there's certain things that we just need to re-oil the wheels to get right. But even despite all of that, our members were still engaged and still enjoying themselves. You know, you normally some of the problems that we've had would just created, you know, a lot of frustration, but everybody, the, the long lines, to register, that was just more opportunity to interact and to chat. I do, I've never <laughs> seen such such happy people dealing with you know somewhat frustrating circumstances. But overall, it it, it was just awesome. It was just so great to be just around members um, that we haven't had a chance to really engage with for so for so long. I thought it was going to feel different, especially after two virtual conventions and having adapted really to not having an audience. I thought it was going to feel unfamiliar, but it really didn't feel unfamiliar at all. I mean, it was almost like we just got together last year. Um, just all of the components of the crowd and the, the feeling, the, uh, the energy. Um, you, you would have never known that it had been three years since we got together. And by the way, I have the official stats here 2,437 in-person registered and 1,487 virtual. So um, I think definitely exceeded Very my nice. expectations in terms yeah. of in-person turnout. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fantastic. And lots of new people, um, especially with the parents. Just I heard over and over and over again from people that were helping with parent events that it was just so many brand new families that found us virtually and you know, just really wanted to be with us. And that's always exciting when you get new people. I mean, it's great to have people that have been there before and we need that as part of the organization for sure, but it's always fun and energizing to see new people and especially new young ones. Um, I know President Riccobono was talking a lot about seeing the, the new little babies that were oh, born the since we were babies. back. They're the all over. Babies. Wonderful. <laughs> Elion and Edmund and uh, I'm, I can't yes. start, I can't start naming them because I'm going to forget them. But, um, you know, they, these are all um, 
children uh, of members who, uh, you know, were born during the time period that we were uh, at a distance. And so we've never got to meet them in person. And it was great to have them stop by. I think we had almost all of them at one point in the presidential suite. Oh. Actually, <laughs> actually, it was uh, it was that that first day uh, when we had the uh, when we had the, the first virtual session, a bunch of them were in the suite. So it was really nice to have that as a kind of a backdrop to our first virtual convention experience. We didn't plan it that way, but really organically just kind of worked out. I, I thought the agenda too was just incredibly, incredibly strong, particularly the general session programs and the banquet. I mean, that's, the banquet's always great, great awards, a really good scholarship class, like always, but just the speakers, I just felt were exceptional this year. I don't know um, how you guys felt about it, but I I just really enjoyed the whole program. I was never I was never bored at at all. Which you know I'm usually not bored at convention, but uh, this year particularly, I was just kind of glued to everything and just thought the speakers were really very yeah. very top notch. That was an interesting dynamic that resulted from me having to quarantine during those days because I was able to thank God listen to all of that through the virtual experience. But normally when I'm there in person, I usually end up getting interrupted, deal with some logistic or someone will find me and we haven't talked over that past year and it's distracting from the presentations. But this time I really did get an opportunity to really listen thoroughly to the presentations. And I absolutely agree with you. Uh, it was a significantly impressive run of show. I, I was personally looking forward to um, Geo Hingskirk's presentation from NIH because the work that we've done there as an organization not only helps with respect to our COVID test accessibility efforts, but making that relationship and putting accessibility on their radar creates opportunities for us to have impact on creating more accessibility to other medical devices moving forward because they are excited about the inclusion of accessibility in the work that they do in the future. Absolutely. Um, I was impressed with so many of the presentations too. I mean, the uh, uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice from Michigan and the um, the new director of the NLS, um, I thought, uh, gave a really uh, good speech, not not because the speech itself was so great, but because so much of his personality came out and it seemed like he really, um, you know, this is somebody that we're not familiar with, or at least that most of us aren't familiar with. Um, and for him to come in with such a good spirit um, and uh, really try to engage the audience. And um, the gentleman from Kellogg's, Wilson Ray, I, I apparently need to revisit Kellogg's breakfast cereals because whatever that guy had for <laughs> breakfast gave him a lot of energy. Uh, I don't think it's just breakfast. Pumped. I think he eats it more than once a day. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> he, he was great. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, somebody had to do it. And, nice. and his Tony the Tiger. For those who don't know, he was had, had his Tony the Tiger mask on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it, I mean, and you know, uh, people can say, well, uh, you know, people can talk about the announcement they made, which I think I think is great. I think I think we'd love to see them do start to do even more, and I think possibly they will. But uh, just the energy of that presentation was impressive. Absolutely. How was it, President Riccobono, to actually hear applause? Because um, I know that was something that must have felt a little weird the last couple of years, especially when you're giving your banquet speech. You're just sort of reading through it and there's not really any applause going on. Was that um, how, you know, just 
how did that feel? Was that a, a good feeling? Was it like, oh, wait a minute, there's actually people out there? <laughs> uh, uh, certainly a good feeling. Uh, I mean, again, it, it felt familiar. It wasn't like um, it, it was uh, off-putting. Um, you know, I found it nice because, uh, you know, in the virtual, I had to build in my own pauses to take a breath or to, you know, drink a sip of water. So uh, it's nice when the crowd helps out, <laughs> but um, it, it is a little different, I guess, in that regard. I mean, I definitely felt like, yeah, inside baseball, I felt like the pacing on the, the banquet speech was a little off. I don't think that was the crowd's fault, but um, maybe that was an, a, a little bit of an adjustment for me. Got it. Now that's you being more, more constructively critical of yourself, the banquet speech was outstanding. The message was. was really on point. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's one of those things that you, you have to listen to in the moment, right? And then you have to go back and listen to uh, later to get even more substance from it. So I, I appreciate you always wanting to, to be that much better, but let's not get too overly critical. So, yeah. Absolutely. And great. That, that was my millennial end of a sentence. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I think the um, the the audience in- engagement was um, really good. You know, I mean, we have a very respectful crowd. Um, you know, even when there are hard hitting things to talk about, the crowd is very respectful and engaged. And um, I like that. You know, uh, a number of the speakers who are first timers at our at our stage um, really engaged the crowd in that way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was particularly powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that having a- our members there adds a different dynamic and a helpful dynamic in those instances where we can demonstrate that we really are a democratic organization. So having that feedback and that direct interaction during the resolutions committee, you know, it takes it to that whole different level. So it's not such a sterile undertaking that the members really get vested uh, during the deliberations of the resolutions on the floor, having that opportunity to really Get, get a sense of the crowd and how they feel about the different issues. All of that's really good because I think that that to me really speaks to us being a true membership organization because you can see whether it be the emotion, you know, around the topic, uh, whether it be the intellectual understanding around the issue uh, being, you know, kind of validated and enhanced through that, that open uh, organic uh, response from the live audience. It makes a big difference. Definitely. And I thought our virtual audience was great too this year. Um, Just a a really nice, um, some interaction on social media, some interaction when we had pre-shows and things. I really enjoyed that part. Sorry, Danielle, you were going to say something. Oh, that's okay. That's actually a perfect pivot to what I was going to say, because I think with the past couple of years, you know, when we did things like resolutions and things like that, where maybe with the virtual component, it was a little bit harder to, to feel Um, what all the different sides were saying and what was happening. But I think when we, when we were able to be in person, we were able to hear the passion and understand how these things happen organically. And I think it was great to, to have that in person um, again. And I, and I saw that too, Danielle, I, I saw a lot of really good social media engagement during the resolutions process where people were saying, Oh, uh, so-and-so just made a good point. But on the other hand, uh, so-and-so just made me think about it another way. So mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, and, and th- that's really great because again, it brought the democratic aspect of our organization and our deliberations to social media. And I think 
the, the fact that they were hearing the debate happening on the floor is what allowed that to happen. And of course, we, we did what we could to have uh, the dynamic debate during the virtual, but it, it just flowed a lot more uh, naturally. And it was so great to see many, so many people uh, getting engaged in the process. Well, I think what people don't realize is that the, the thing about getting together is, um, you know, that's where individuals at the convention are debating these things all week long. You know, mm-hmm. they're getting together in the hallways and talking about this and that resolution and how they feel about it. And they're, you know, sitting at dinner talking about these things. And so it's not just these online I- interactions that we're having. And it can happen dynamically in a group, you know, I mean, that happened some in the virtual environment, but, you know, a lot of minds change during the course of the convention because people get together and talk about things. And I know that a lot of delegates, um, you know, took a lot of feedback from from members at the convention, but also members who probably are more in touch with them now um, because of the virtual, know how to better get in touch with their delegate during the national convention. I know some delegates even held their state caucuses with a virtual component so that uh, at least folks um, who were at home could participate, even though the delegate understood that they were elected you know, to represent all people, not just those at the mm-hmm. convention. And I think that's such a good point and something that we should definitely talk about again and mention again, that that's you know, we do have a delegate system and that that is we we elect our delegates to represent everybody at the convention. We also rep- we also reelect our leaders or elect our leaders and we reelected um, our, our officers this year and then people to the board. Um, great new board members, by the way. I'm very yeah. excited about that. And they brought in a new officer uh, and a new officer. Yep. Right. Yeah, uh, he definitely. had been a board member. Everett Bacon is our is our secretary now, but he had been a board member. So. Right. Well, and Norma Crosby. Oh, she was a secretary, I think. That's right. I think yep. she just put on. Anyway, but yeah. but I think that's I mean, that's why we elect our leaders, too. We really trust that our leaders between conventions are looking out for our best interests. And I think that's really an important thing to think about when people um say things like we're not we're not democratic enough or people just make these decisions and then when you really think about or really start breaking that down we could not do the work that we do if we had every single person that we had to consult with every time we wanted to make any type of a decision (laughs) and so that's why we elect our board and so if we're getting it wrong then we need to be political and re-elect our our board um because that's that's what the board is for at least that's how I'm looking at it, and and it's an interesting thing because I'm not a I'm not a political person, but that understanding has sort of blossomed over the last few years. Well, and the and the thing to remember, and if I can just put in a plug for for communications because we we tried really hard to emphasize this uh, to folks, and and we'll continue to because it's such an important message. I mean, our delegates uh, are very accessible. Uh, the The name of every state president and a way to contact them is on our website. Um, and people should reach out before the convention, during the convention uh, to their delegates um, 
whoever they are. And that's why the roll call of states is still is so important, too, because you know who your delegate is. People sometimes say, oh, the roll call of states. I mean, it's kind of fun, but I don't understand why we have to. Well, we have to do it because sometimes the state president uh, isn't the delegate or can't be the delegate. And if the state president becomes indisposed, um, which can happen in today's environment, uh, there's an alternate delegate. But we always try to be really transparent about that process so that people know who to contact. And, and now there are so many uh, different ways to reach out to the delegates and to the board members, uh, no matter where you are um, and what your status in the Federation is. And I think I saw people really picking up on that in social media. And I, I will have to jump in and say, speaking of our delegates in our states, Washington, with those awards, there were two people from Washington who won awards. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, educator of blind students for the year and the blind educator of the year, both both of them from Washington. So, yeah, it was it was good to be from Washington. So there must be some great education. Washington State is the best place for blind students to be t today. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that does mean that. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> hard, hard to or, know. Or, or Marcy writes really good recommendation letters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was, uh, I was impressed with the, with the presentation. Uh, actually, I had to uh, step out to deal with a reporter who came to the convention, but I, I saw uh, Scott McCallum's presentation, and and he really does. Uh, he was probably sing. still going when you came back in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he he didn't he wasn't shy, um, but uh, but the other thing was, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was it was they were a good both thing. very impressive. Well, I mean, I love that he told a story about a student of his, um, and and that was you know from a from somebody who is now an administrator but started as a teacher, uh, the fact that he still maintains that meaningful connection is so great and. Um, boy, the, you know, but talking about the awards, uh, so many great awards during the convention, uh, outstanding scholarship class and outstanding class of Balotin winners, uh, yes. I thought. And I think it was the first time that we've um, recognized, um, we've recognized people from the entertainment industry before, or, or at least from people who have made films and stuff like that. Um, but I love that we uh, recognize Netflix for all the great work that we're doing in audio description. And I love the, the panel about audio description as well. But I, uh, all, of the, all of these winners, 64-ounce uh, games and uh, the, the, uh, you know, the C3D, I, I mean, all of this work that's being done that is just so outstanding. And also just recognizing somebody who's doing something a little bit different and using poetry and writing to reach more blind people. Yeah. The nature of what we do, the giving, giving the awards to both Judy and Joe and, and Pat were really powerful. I, I think that that right. really speaks to us in our heart as an organization, because those are individuals that really have dedicated, you know, their time and talent and intent for, for many, many years to this organization. So I think that really speaks well for us to give them that appropriate recognition as well. And Especially I think it's important to put it in context. We the the Tenbrook Award is not given every year, right? Um, and it has never been given twice in the same year. And um, now there's nothing that says it can't be. Um, but you know that was 
really a very um, deliberate decision on, on behalf of the, uh, the committee. And, um, you, you know, these are always tough things to, to work on because uh, there are lots of people that are, are very deserving of many accolades in the Federation, but this being our highest award, um, you know, it takes on a very, very special meeting and, yeah. um, and, you know, the c committee has also chosen, you know, to give it to people who, who are still living. I mean, there we've lost, uh, you know, some people who haven't received the Tenbrook award and, yeah. um, you know, it's meant to also be, be a living honor. So uh, really a special moment in that regard. And um, I like that we, pulled it off as a uh, shock. <laughs> well, and I love, yes. I, love I love that. that. I love that, you know, so many of our listeners won't, uh, I mean, many will, but, uh, but many may not know uh, who, who Joe and Pat Miller are. Um, but I love it when we, when the, I mean, I love it when the, when the Tenbrook award goes to people that we all recognize, but I love it. Uh, as much or even more when it goes to people who are behind the scenes, but who do so much of the work uh, that has to be done in this organization. Um, and what was great about this year's awards is we got both because because Judy Sanders is obviously somebody who's been very active and very publicly active, but a lot of people may not have realized, although they will have met them, how critical Joe and Pat Miller have been to the operations of uh, the organization for decades. Yeah. And I, I would argue even with Judy Sanders, I think if you came in the organization in the last decade, um, you may not have had as much of an opportunity to interact with her. Um, but it, it really speaks to the grassroots nature of, of mm -hmm. what we do and although, um, you know, a lot of her activity has been at the local level, it has had a big impact um, nationally. And so I, I think Judy fits that quite criteria as well. Agreed. I agree. So, you know, people maybe now, maybe they weren't able to be as present at the convention as they had wanted to be virtually. Um, let's remind people, how can they catch up with all of this great stuff that happened? Um, there's several ways that people can hear speeches, read speeches, um, relive convention moments, whether they were there or not. Um, should we talk maybe a little bit about those things to remind people how they can go about doing that? So uh, the, the home for a lot of that continues to be nfb.org slash convention. Uh, that is where the highlights will be posted. Some of the highlights already are posted. Um, and where the rest of the highlights will be posted. And by the way, it has a link to past conventions as well. Uh, should you want to relive or, or catch parts of those that you missed as well. We, we really do a, uh, try to do a great job in this organization of archiving what we have done, but certainly uh, the, the, all the moments from this year's convention will be appearing on that webpage uh, in the next short while by the time people listen to this podcast more of them will have, will have appeared i always want to remind people too about the braille monitor i love the august september issue um you know it takes a couple months to put it together because of course we need to talk all about the convention 
but it's always very worth waiting for. I think Gary Wonder and the Monitor team do a fantastic job um, putting highlights in and really giving a flavor of the convention. And so I just want to make sure that people are reading their monitor, listening to it, because often when you listen to it, you get the actual speeches. Um, it's it's really definitely worth, um, you know, having the monitor and, and subscribing to it. Yeah, and I, I would definitely co-sign on the whole um, convention recap that, that Gary puts together. Uh, even though, you know, I've been there. When, when I read that, you hear different aspects of the convention that you never would have known had you not read the recap. And I think that it's wonderful the way that we can Re republish, you know, the presentations throughout the year. So sprinkle them in, you know, of mm -hmm. course, the August, September issue, we definitely want to make sure that the president's report and the banquet speech are present. But then throughout the rest of the year, Gary and, and the staff there will sprinkle in, you know, different presentations that may support other articles within monitoring. So I agree with you. Great way of really getting uh, infused with uh, the convention activities throughout the year. Well, and, and, and what's so great about that, too, is, you know, when you come out of the convention, it's a big shot in the arm. And and to a certain extent, you, you want to relive the highlights. But then, you know, the year goes on and other things happen and you uh, and, you know, you're engaged in other things with the Federation and otherwise. And so and then all of a sudden in the October or December or early next year in the monitor, a great presentation comes uh, up that you had forgotten about and you get to engage with it in a new way. And it reminds you, it either reminds you how great it was or you discover something that maybe you either missed or didn't pay that close attention to for whatever reason during the convention. Yeah, and Gary does a great job of using it to support ongoing dialogue. So he may create right. or pose a provocative question and offer a banquet presentation or something as the catalyst for that kind of conversation. And if you want some nostalgia, if you want to listen maybe to the banquet speech and listen to, you know, the, the bustle around the room, you can always listen on YouTube because we have some of those, um, some of the general sessions. And I know we have the banquet up on the YouTube as well. Oh, nice. Nice. Great. So yeah, there's a playlist I think I saw. There is actually, yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, how was everybody's trip home? Because you know now convention is over. It was great to kind of relive it with all of you, but now we're home. How how were people? Uh, got home okay, and and uh, trip home was okay for everybody. I'm very much a nervous flyer, and I slept the entire flight home. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, that tells you something. Yeah. 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 I, I, hurricanes. You had hurricanes before you flew, or. Not a one. Nope. <laughs> you know, a friend of mine, though, did get a Sazerac in the airport because um, yeah. she hadn't had a chance to have one anywhere else in New Orleans for whatever reason. So she had always wanted to try a Sazerac and she did get one. But uh, I slept part of the way on the plane. And the only thing I would say about the trip home that was uh, other than the fact that it was anticlimactic after the convention uh, I was on a late flight and got back at two o'clock in the morning, which is wow. not optimal. So uh, because the flight was delayed a little bit. But, uh, you know, uh, I was happy to be, I, you know, I was happy to be home, even though I, I loved the convention because it does, as to Danielle's point, it does uh, take a lot out of you, but it puts a lot into you as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, traveling home was was fine. Uh, 
It's always fun to travel on a plane with a bunch of blind people. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, we didn't talk about New Orleans. I mean, what a fantastic oh, city for yeah. uh, a convention. I know that Gosh, yeah. uh, there were many, many, many positive comments about uh, just the wealth of places that you could walk to within just a couple of <laughs> yeah. blocks of the hotel. I don't know if Anil ever made it over to the McDonald's, but there was one of those. I made it to that, that, uh, the Creole house. Uh, Creole house was good. Yeah. Right uh, next door know, too. A lot of our folks enjoyed a lot of the music. I know the, uh, what was it? Mahogany hall, uh, right around mm-hmm. the corner. I know some of our, uh, some of our members went over there and performed with the jazz band oh, wow. that was over there, uh, oh, both, both, cool. both singing and uh, getting on the horns. So uh, I'm yes. sorry I missed that. Um, yeah, me too. But just, uh, just the uh, number of things to do. I mean, I certainly hope it will be uh, fewer than 25 years before we're back in New Orleans. That was 25 years ago was our last New Orleans convention. I, I think, uh, you know, as we continue to think about the convention, uh, it, it gets it's challenging because our convention is huge and yeah. uh, finding a, a place that meets all the criteria. I know that, you know, we try to negotiate hard on room rates, but even with inflation, room rates are beginning very difficult. So we have to continue to be strategic, um, but use these opportunities to get together. And I, it was cool just to walk down the street and come across people who are looking for lunch too and say, all right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's find a place. And, and it was so great because we were right in the heart of everything. And there were so many places around and and New Orleans is just, is just amazing. I mean, the music and the food and the culture and the food and the (laughs) nightlife and the hospitality and the food. (laughs) Speaking of food, we have to know, because I know virtual people wanted to know, or the people listening on the virtual session want to know. Yes, yes is the answer. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> what did everybody think of the banquet food? Does anyone want to share what we enjoyed? And oh, the how- banquet. I thought you were going to ask something different. Tell us about the banquet. Who liked the banquet? <laughs> no, I, thought the, All right. I thought the banquet <laughs> was fine. The banquet. I mean, the food was the food. Yeah, the, was- the, the only problem with the banquet is it had to compete against, you know, the stuff at the Creole house and <laughs> right, and, right. You know, exactly. it's, just kind of, it's just kind of a come down in terms of food. But we did have live music at the live banquet. music. Yeah, yes. that was really cool. And then yes. virtually the sound was amazing for the live music. Yeah, no I will, the, the food was I will good. Say, banquet food was good. The dessert was great. I will say yeah. one thing that was different about this banquet table. So we we had, I think it was a chicken breast on, on the bone and then broccoli and some really yummy scallop potatoes. But one yeah. cool thing is, you know, normally you get water and then you get tea, but this was sweet tea, which I thought was a nice nod to the South. Oh, nice. that is good. That uh, is my, good. Uh, my beef though was with the opening ceremonies because, you know, I'm there on stage and they had Chef Harriet up there. And she's live cooking pralines, you know, about pralines, pralines. About, about, about six feet to my left. And she's, you know, whipping them up. And I keep, this is wonderful. She's going to hand me one any second. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it. And then they wrap it up and they take their stove away. I'm still waiting for my you know, very fresh. So yeah, definitely was, should have given the president. I was pralines. disappointed. I don't know what she did with the ones that she made, but uh, she was awesome. 81 years old. 
I oh, know. Been wow. making these. What did she say for seventy years? And uh, and she and she I was doing. She, it. she was live pot doing talking it. Talking to her. And, oh yeah. And she, know, and whole, she was she cooking had, live. She was so good. Yeah, uh, well, I, and she was. We, I think that she, has never happened at one of our opening ceremonies. I, I was, was going to really ask cool. about that, and it was, and she was so descriptive about. It. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. had yeah, had talked to her about needing to be that, but um, she was so uh, she was so thorough about it that I I feel like. I know something about making pralines, although I'm not a very good cook, so I would probably find some way to screw it up. But, you know, there you go. Actually, people were asking about the recipe, whether we're going to have recipes in the monitor or and I said, you know, hopefully when everything comes out, we'll have, you know, we'll be able to get that or or transcribe her presentation or something so people can actually have the recipe because people were asking about that virtually as well. So that was that was so cool. And well, of course uh, at we, home, we I do just have, wanted one too. Yeah, we do have the transcripts uh, from Zoom. So I'm sure our communications uh, group will put make those available soon. Although maybe people in New Orleans like to talk about cooking and just like to because I remember I went to Brennan's, which is a very famous uh, New Orleans restaurant, and got the Bananas Foster, which is a very uh, famous uh, New Orleans dessert that they cook in front of you. And I asked the uh, uh, person who was cooking it to describe what they were doing, and he was also very good at it. So, Yeah, it's like a show. It's like a performance. It is. (laughs) So who thinks that next year's opening ceremonies in Houston should have like tamales being cooked on stage. Oh, oh my gosh. Only if the president oh, That's right. Them. Only if they remember to do it. <laughs> if the president won. <laughs> we don't want, we don't want the mean, convention gavel down from the opening ceremony. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we can. Don't you want? That. Don't you want someone to say, "Oh, yeah, this is real," you know, authentic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you can <laughs> yeah. Hear, hear you chewing. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Norma can make it happen. Yeah. So, so as no pressure, we wind, Norma. <laughs> as, yeah. As we wind down, um, do we want to maybe go around and give some final thoughts about this year and expectations for next year? Well, I I just hope that I can both be in person next year. But I also really hope I can continue to be involved with the virtual audience because I really, truly enjoyed that. Um, it was it was such a blessing this year for me not being able to go and kind of not going at, at sort of the last minute. I, I kind of decided in June that I wasn't going to go and um, was definitely the right decision for me this year. But uh, it was wonderful to interact. And I just I hope I can continue to do that in some way, um, even you know, if I if I am and when I am at convention next year, I'd really like to continue that because it was really just so wonderful. I mean, I love recording the podcast, but you know, you don't get as much feedback from the podcast and you don't get instant feedback. And it was just great to get emails from people, to see things on social media, to be able to respond, to get questions in the in the chat, all of those kinds of things. And it really was um just really added a dimension to my convention that I've never had before and really made me feel like I was interacting with more people maybe even than I than I would have a chance to uh, in a more deep way than I would have a chance to at an actual convention. So I, I really hope we can continue to have the virtual experience, make it even better. Um, and I hope that I can be involved somehow with that even next year, uh, even though I'm really, really, really looking forward to being in person at convention because I think I really need that shot in the arm. 
I will turn over the reporter. I will plan to return turn over the ro- roving reporter duties to you. How about that? No, uh, no, no. You you can rove. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, maybe I'll rove too. I don't know. I, I was really impressed, Chris. I don't know that I could have roved as effectively as you roved. So <laughs> hats off to you. <laughs> I don't know how I managed it actually, but uh, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> Well, from my perspective, I'm glad we did it. I, I know that, um, you know, it took a lot of meticulous planning on behalf of President Bono and John Bergeron, you know, putting our protocols in place. And as a member of the Convention COVID Club, um, I'm just glad that I was able to participate to, before experiencing any symptoms and some of the division activities and some of the social gatherings. And of course, you know, even staying masked up, there's no guarantee per se. Uh, but I also recognize the value right, of, of our streaming, because again, if we weren't streaming the general session parts, that would have been a significant loss. Um, but just being there on site, you know, was a little bit difficult because you did want to be there with our members. But the fact that I was able to participate in person uh, and get to interact with people, and then even when I had to start quarantining, I was still able to experience the convention through the streaming and the virtual components that we had really helped to be a fulfilling week for me. And I've heard so many other people that have said that this this was so, so well worth it. And I, I just jump in on that and just say that, you know, we really did show this year that we have the love, hope and determination to keep moving forward and, um, you know, making sure that everyone is involved and everyone feels like they have a place. So that would be my hope for next year is just to continue with that spirit. You know, every convention brings something new. Uh, This one was special because of, you know, us being um, divided for so long, uh, isolated. Um, But so many of our partners coming together, um, you know, John Olson brought seven of his 3D um, photo art exhibits um, just to have at the convention uh, that were always available. You know, our exhibit hall was booming as always. Uh, with so many new partners, we had um, Good Maps and Navilands trying out some new stuff. Uh, and, and you know, for the first time that I remember, we had two uh, events outside of the hotel. We haven't even talked about those, but Netflix did an exclusive oh. screening of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. uh, including free concessions and uh, free uh, NFB Stranger Things swag, which um, you know is great. Uh, we also had the viewing of Surpassing Sight. Um, so, you, you know, what I look forward to is um, the things that the Houston Convention will bring, which we can really not anticipate today. Who, were, who, who will the partners be? What will the new ideas be? Mm. What will the new trends be? What will blind people be um, you know, really talking about when we get to the convention next year? All of that is what will unfold in the nice. next little while. And, and, and also, I mean, we know that our uh, affiliate in Texas will be an awesome host. They did a great job in our <laughs> virtual convention in 2020. Uh, I know our Houston chapter will be very eager. Um, for that matter, I know the city of Houston has been waiting for us now since 2019. <laughs> uh, they've been eager to host us. So I, I, I think, um, that's the real uh, synergy. And, and I would encourage people to start saving your dollars now, start working with your chapter to raise money to help get people to the convention uh, because it is one of the most empowering experiences. 
Uh, and I think it's it's hard to imagine what uh, what we might find ourselves getting into next year this time, but it's going to be exciting. Absolutely. And if you have feedback about this year's convention, there is going to be a survey coming out. So please make sure that you fill that out. Um, I know I have a, a couple things that, you know, tuning in virtually for the first time, um, I have some completely for the first time, I have some some feedback that I'm going to give. And so we really want that. That's the only way we can have our conventions get better and better every year. So please don't be shy. Give us that feedback. And um, at least you've done your part to to tell us what things worked well for you and, and what things maybe you'd like to see improved. And of course, give us feedback about the podcast as well. Um, and then there, there will be some ways uh, in the outro that you can do that. But what I, the reason I bring that up particularly is uh, we'd really love to know who did you hear from at the convention or what did you mm -hmm. learn uh, at the convention that you'd like a deeper dive into? Um, I, th I feel like those would be great subjects for the podcast. So uh, I know we're, we're thinking about doing some things like with the Balotin Award winners, but what else would you like to know more about uh, coming out of the uh, out of the convention that we can feature mm -hmm. on the podcast as well as as well as what's going to be in you know definitely continue to read the monitor and all of that um, right. as well. Um, and there's a be... presidential release coming up too, yeah. right? When when's the next one? August second. Yep. August second. That'll be our next one, and um, hopefully the podcast will talk about the opportunity for chapters to uh, put in a proposal to host the presidential release live in, in October. Um, but the last thing I wanted to say, piggybacking on what Chris said was uh, all of the awards that Chris has, has um, expertly outlined, you know, they're gonna happen again. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's not too early to think about who would be deserving of a Balotin Award or who, uh, what educators might be out there and to be encouraging uh, uh, college students or, or rising um, high school seniors to get mm -hmm. ready. We are going to have scholarships again. So uh, you, you might as well get ready for it. It's going to happen. Um, you know, we need applicants for all of these things, nominations and uh, promoting these programs. You know, we, uh, it's wonderful when our selection committees have a very hard time picking uh, candidates, because that's a very good problem to have. And, and we do, we get great applications. And even uh, I, I know from uh, talking to our Balotin chairman that there, there was at least one of our Balotin awardees who had been nominated a number of times and the committee had um, passed them over a number of times. So, you, you, you know, the way you get in the game is by continuing to apply. But I think the fact that uh, blind people kept pushing uh, this nominee forward helped their case. So truly nice. driven by blind people. So be thinking about that. These awards are prestigious, even just being recognized by the Federation and we need those nominations. Yeah. And, the, and the, the, the model for persistence is also for scholarships. Don't just, if you're not selected because it's a competitive process, go reapply. Right. Come on students. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was wonderful spending so much time with all of you. Um, so glad that we had such a great convention. So glad everybody's back home. Um, really excited that we can just go build the National Federation of the Blind now, um, as, as always, um, with the, the energy that we got from this convention and you know going toward uh, next convention and going toward our fall conventions and spring conventions that our affiliates have. So it's it's really exciting and just 
thank you guys, all of you, for being uh, on the podcast. It's been really fun uh, hearing everybody's thoughts about convention and uh, just really excited to um, bring you another episode in, in a little while. But comment on this one. There's lots of different ways. We want to hear from you. Well, this has been fun. Uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, talking about the convention is almost as good as experiencing it. Until we get together to have this conversation once again, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'd love your feedback. Email podcast at nfb.org or call 410-659-9314 extension 2444.